As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The Steelers have hit rock bottom, dropping their worst loss since 1989 to the Bills, 38-3. This is Tom coming to you from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. I'm back. Good to have you. Good to be back here with you, Nick. Good to have you. Um, We said that the Steelers hit rock bottom. I was going to intro this by saying the Steelers continue a demise unseen in franchise history since I, I have to go back. I know that's the worst loss since 1989, but this slide, I mean, we've, we've started one and three before, but there looks to be no end to, to the abyss that we face. No. And here at the Steelers outpost podcast, we're going to address some of that. So I think that this rock bottom loss to the bills is sort of a flagship moment for the Steelers. And I said this about the Jets' loss last week. I sincerely think these are good losses for the Steelers because they need to be shaken awake. There needs to be more pressure than the accepting of, of quite frankly, the mediocrity that we've seen over the last uh, you know few years in Pittsburgh. So 14-point spread before the Bills game, very justified. Worst spread the Steelers have had since 1969 or something. And then you follow that up with the worst loss since 1989. But I would argue that we've been talking a little bit about this on the podcast for quite some time now. I'm not personally feeling the emotional effect of where the Steelers are at, despite this being such a poignant, public, and trackable example of their failure. I said, I think on a podcast before the season started, Dad, that the Steelers really died. The last era of the Steelers died in New Orleans in the Superdome in 2018 with Antonio Brown's final game with the Steelers where, you know, he had 160 yards and three touchdowns and Ben played amazing and and the, the refs bailed the Saints out with two bad pass interference calls. A game later, AB was a no-show to the Bengals game. Next season starts, Ben's elbow explodes. And I'd argue sort of since then, we've been clinging on to this era that vanished. You had a top five offense. You lost every single solitary player off of that team. And the Steelers tried to sort of roll into the next era. And it doesn't look like they were successful in doing that. So it's been a struggle for the past few years. And I think that these public failures are going to help more than the eight and eight years when you play with Duck Hodges and you get credit for that, which I do think deserves credit, but I 
also think those things need to be put in perspective when you look back at those schedules. You see that they didn't play anybody, but I think those type of things were allowing the Steelers to stay conservative, and I think that they clearly need to make some changes. And so I do think that there's some weird positives from this if you also add, you know, how weirdly good Kenny Pickett has looked despite big losses. So I, I think this is a really interesting time in Steelers history, but wow, that w- I mean, it's brutal to watch, right? Why did you uh, say that the Steelers approach allowed it to be conservative? Conservative in what way? I think a lot of people want massive changes and they want to point to Mike Tomlin, right? I don't, I think that he absolutely has a, a massive hand in this. He's the head coach, but I don't think that the Steelers are actually that far off from being a good team. And I'll get to the, you know, conservatism in a second, but I think that the NFL is strictly about one thing. Do you have an elite quarterback or not? Because if you don't, you better be Bill Belichick, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Sean Payton, or Andy Reid. That's five coaches. Those are five coaches who have proven that they can have good competitive teams without a star quarterback, and they've done that a number of times. Otherwise, it's just so hard to win without an elite one. And so what we're seeing now is Mike Tomlin navigating that next phase after Ben. And obviously, fingers crossed, because Kenny's looking good already. But the conservatism, I think, is with the Steelers committing too long to draft picks and coordinators. The Keith Butler sticking around for six years or whatever it was, and that failing at every single point of that tenure and them just stubbornly doubling down and doubling down and then getting the fool's gold of the duck year where they had the defense with like 11 first rounders and they didn't play anybody. Their marquee win was over Jared Goff. It's another example of why I'm saying people could look back with Keith Butler's tenure and say, oh, he did okay. He didn't, but they stuck with him forever and then eventually they fired him and they're still not better. Mike Tomlin running this defense. This sample size is huge. It's been about 10 years. They haven't had a great defense. I know a lot of that currently is due to the offense, but they got to change that. Mike has to be open to that. And then the last thing, um, conservatism. Bruce Arians, Todd Haley, and Ken Wisenhunt were good coordinators, all guys who got head coaching jobs. We can nitpick with them, sure. The prior two, the last two offensive coordinator hires the Steelers have made have been very experimental. Feetner being a quarterback coach who had never really been an OC at any level except for Memphis for one year. That's an odd hire. It did not work. They stuck with it a little long. Then you go into Matt Canada, no real significant NFL coaching experience, over 20 years coaching in college. That's an atypical hire. It has not worked. We don't need the Steelers sticking with that model of you have to stay with guys and give them a chance. Presley Harvin, like all these guys who haven't worked out. I think that this A is going to create some urgency for the Steelers. And I think they need to get a little bit better at firing an offensive coordinator when it hasn't worked. And it's obvious that there's been no progress instead of stubbornly sticking to, Hey, we're the Steelers. We have three coaches for every 50 years and stuff like that. So that's where I think some of their conservatism needs to get changed. I don't necessarily think it's this, massive overhaul that just you know that may be coming in the future and then the last thing with conservatism is i'll say this 
I'm rooting for Kenny. You're rooting for Kenny. It's hard to, to say anything except for he has been incredibly impressive when you look at the preseason and, and this game. I'm hoping he's the guy. There's no way if the Steelers get the number one pick this year, which they're in the running for, there's like no way they'll take a quarterback, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or one of these super talented quarterbacks who didn't slip to number 20. I'm not saying they should, right? But I'm saying they need to be open to that kind of move. And it's very un-Steelers-like. They stick with their people. And that's what I mean by the conservatism. I don't think it's a blow-up. But I think they need to realize, hey, we've got two offensive coordinators wrong. Let's keep rolling the dice. we got a quarterback right or wrong. Let's keep rolling the dice. It's not like triple down on things. Would you equate conservatism with a, a ruthlessness that the Steelers lack? I mean, having somebody in place a long time sounds good, just like it does in a, in a workplace. But there's a point where you start believing your own... Um, Clip press clippings, I guess. And we probably, looking back, were apologists for Mike Tomlin in a way. We, you know, also with no losing record, and he's the player's coach. Yeah. And what are you going to get? Who are you going to get out there that's better than Tomlin? I mean, we kind of fell into that trap. I, I know that there's no heir apparent to him, but it, it's almost as if we're not even, the Steelers or the Rooneys won't even consider replacing him. The um, If the Steelers were truly ruthless, Ben wouldn't have played the last two years, right. if not three years. They would have just moved on. Yeah, you would have just gotten it Except over. Except for the lack of somebody to, to plug in for him. Because he did keep our head above the uh, draft line that would have gotten us a, a premier quarterback, unless we, unless we traded. Right. My other... Well, in regards to like replacing Mike, I don't even necessarily think it is replacing Mike at this point. It may be at a certain point... I just think it's like with the quarterback, you know, they lucked out when they got Ben. They tried so many guys in between Terry and Ben. I think that that's the case with the coordinators right now. I think that they're, I do think Mike Tomlin does, like, he's the kind of guy, you lose him, you're going to wish you still had him. And you might look back and say, like, why didn't we just promote Brian Flores to defensive coordinator? Arguably the best defensive coordinator in the entire league. He's on your staff. Promote him now. Get it over with. We got two offensive coordinators wrong in a row. Try again. Like, just because you didn't get one on the first or second try doesn't mean you have to double down on something where the results are so bad, so consistent, and so trackable. So I think that that's the next move. Is I really want to see them take Mike Tomlin more hands off of the defense, promote Brian Flores. That's such an obvious move. And then try some more offensive coordinators and go back to what worked before. Don't take these randos, like a 50-year-old quarterback coach and a college guy. Like Find someone who's coming up through the NFL ranks and go with that type of thing. And if that doesn't work, then yes, you might just need a culture shift and you got to fire Tomlin that way. But the biggest issue I have with Tomlin and the Steelers, like what you're saying, keeping Ben or not being ruthless, is I'm not sure if they ever have a good idea of how good or bad they are. Like, the Najee Harris pick is looking worse and worse by the day. And on the podcast, we agreed with the majority of the people when they were thinking about draft, drafting Najee. It's like, it's just not a good idea to draft a running back in the first round because there aren't, there isn't a single example of one in the league who's like successfully made it through a second contract. And it's really only a luxury pick for a team that's like a player away. We're not arguing that Connor or D'Angelo Williams were as good as Le'Veon. Right. 
it's just a value proposition. You only get so many high picks. And the Steelers, who are the Steelers' best players? It's, it's, their high, it's TJ and Pickens and Cam Hayward. and like, You only get a few of those. Now, we said on the podcast, if they're going to draft him, we'll be positive about it and he could be a great player. But that's the example of like, did you really think that you were just like a running back away? The Minka Fitzpatrick one's a tricky one too because he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. But it's like, you can't just keep trying to make... If you really think you're going to win the Super Bowl, that scares me about how you're unable to analyze like where your where your team is at. Like the Minka Fitzpatrick one is like you would have had a chance at uh Herbert, Justin Herbert, if you just let that season play out, you know? And um so those are those are examples of things that I, I feel a little freaked out by. And that's the Steelers conservatism. I guess that's not conservatism. That's just like a lack of realism. And I think that the same thing goes for we're just gonna keep sticking with Canada. Look, we threw for three hundred yards yesterday. Like it's slowly moving forward. It's like Sometimes you got to be a little bit more ruthless. I like your terminology better. I'm sorry, I didn't understand the point about Minka and Justin Herbert. Um, I guess I'm I'm calling that conservatism, but I mean being ruthless. The Steelers and Tomlin sometimes I think they convince themselves that they can win the Super Bowl every year. And when they traded for Minka, that's when Ben went down, and everybody knew, hey, they have a chance at a top five pick this year. And then they traded for Minka. They they didn't end up getting that pick right and they would have been in range to draft Justin Herbert at that point. Like Justin Herbert, Tua, and Burrow were the quarterbacks there. So you would have had a chance, but you're doubling down. We're going to win the Super Bowl anyways, or we're just going to create this team. And now, like... You would not have gotten Minka? Is that what you're saying? Would you rather have Justin Herbert or Minka? I'm sorry. I I know it seems sacrilegious because we love Justin Herbert, but... (laughs) But we traded for... We traded for Minka. We traded our first round pick Got away it. for Minka, okay. which right. I'm could sorry. have been if we didn't trade for him, we were on a very bad trajectory to be a potential top Got five it. pick type of team. Thanks. So that's just like they're pushing their resources in at really weird times. Like you can do that if you have Ben. If Kenny turns out to be the guy, you can definitely do that. But it was just weird timing. So, and then the same thing like if they don't fire Canada in season, that's going to be like a problem for me. And I would think that that would be stubborn Steelers. Like we just stick to the guys. Like what more do you need? Like, please sound the alarms. I hope this loss and the forthcoming losses that are likely about to occur. I don't think the Steelers are going to lose every game for the rest of the year, but you know, I hope that that creates a little bit more like, Hey Steelers, you got to modernize a little bit. You got to roll the dice and not, you can't just think everyone's Terry Bradshaw in four years of being bad. And then all of a sudden they're good, you know? Well, you know what? Uh, sorry if this is a little scattershot, but we were talking about who you can get out there to, you know, plug in at cornerback or, you know, who, who can we get on this off the street right now that would help the team? And I just thought of one, Jordan Barry. Oh, <laughs> Hey, that's a great one. It seems like it, we've seen enough now. Yeah, with that's a perfect example, Dad. That's who they, they, they commit to people who they, they drafted or hired for too long. Jordan Berry's the worst punter, or not, sorry, uh, Presley Harvin, the worst punter in the league. You're, you're absolutely right. And so we'll talk about the Bills game in a second. It's almost pointless, right? It's just like, okay, so the Steelers still suck. The offense looks identical. You look at Kenny Pickett's scatter chart, it looks much better than Mitch's in terms of, like, there's actually throws in the middle of the field, but they're all within 10 yards except for a couple, like, we know the problem with the offense. 
you know, Najee has issues, Lion has yeah. issues. The, I'm sorry, yeah. before you go too far past that one point, sure. was Kenny, are, are you, do you think he's unable to go down, down the field or you think they're just, they're just handing this, this space to us. And that's what Tom Brady has done to us for forever. They were giving him that no. short. So would you not just keep doing that? Tom Brady would take short, 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 and then he'll cut your heart out with a couple, you know, deep posts over the middle of the field. Like we, okay. we can do this, but we need to take some shots down the middle of the field. Um, and with the defense. So anyways, we, that's a great example with Presley Harvin, but I guess we can break down the game a little bit, but I'm more concerned about like, what do they need to do going forward? And are they that far away? I mean, I think clearly the, the biggest pieces for the Steelers right now, you and I were talking about it yesterday, is quarterback. Because if Kenny turns out to be a guy, it's just going to make everyone so much better. And the offensive coordinator, that, like this guy could really hold him back. This could be very detrimental. Um, but it's quarterback and defensive line. Because you pointed out yesterday, TJ's out. I mean, the Steelers, what do they have, like one sack since TJ left? The good news is Highsmith looks great. You know, Cam had a good game yesterday, but he hasn't he hasn't had a QB hit in like four or five weeks. It's insane. So not only have the Steelers been getting run on for three years, which I think the public forgets about because it's the Steelers and you see the uniforms. The Steelers have been getting run on for years. They need to invest in the trenches. They're getting what they paid for with defensive line and offensive line. You can't just do third and fourth round investments on these guys all the time you have to invest high so I think if the quarterback and, and the offense come together it's going to make the defense a lot better because there are no more like there's no Jacksonville Jaguars or, or no fly zone Broncos right now I think the NFL defenses are based off of like you got to be you got to put pressure on other teams with your offense you need sacks and turnovers Steelers have been awesome with that and I think they'll get much better if the offense just gets better, but you can't deny how bad you, you can't just get pushed around. So I think that investing in that line will really help them because yeah, that's a big issue. Good call on cam. You're right. He had three quarterback hits in the first week and nothing since then. Two, two good. tackles for loss all season. I, although um, you, yeah, well, we, you have, I mean, okay. I hate to criticize cam because what was the play that they, uh, they did an end around the left side. And the guy got like 15 yards and Cam tackled him from behind. I mean, the guy's just like relentless. And I just yeah, wonder how that's much awesome. is like scheming. We love hustle, but we need you to get sacks. But is it, we talked about this yesterday too. How, how much, and they need to look at the, the tape again. How much was he double teamed versus, and I think that, you know, with TJ out, I mean, opposition is allowed to, it can focus on um, both Cam and Highsmith. You know, that's sort of their productivity is going down. Even though, I mean, Highsmith seems to be effective, but just a notch less than when TJ's in there. Maybe more and than a notch. That's totally legit. Yeah, people have to – you can't expect too much out of that, but zero is a really bad Zero point zero right? zero. Like you're an all-pro, an all-pro. Yeah. You're going to get double teamed. All the all-pros get double teamed. You, you got to do something. But So if we zoom out, like, and there were, you know, uh, the Twitter film breakdowns are coming out today. Derek's been posting some. Alex will post some. The miscommunications in the defense. I know it's a lot of backup players, but I mean, it happens every year and that's a coaching thing. And that's just where I think you got to go to this Brian Flores and you got to give it to him. You, you have not, you tried, you got 10 years to make a defense after the Troy Palomalu era. I'm sorry. It has not happened. 
I know you got really close with the duck team. It's just, it's not happening. You need to give more control to another guy. And you have the number one candidate everybody would want. Spectacular in New England, spectacular in Miami. You lucked out getting him. You know, you got to use that. But, and then offense, geez, I don't know. But I want to look at this. We've been talking about their drafting and trying to figure out how well they're doing compared to other teams. Somebody put out this list. Here's, I don't know if they're leaving anybody out, but look at the Steelers' first, like, through fourth round picks over the last few years. I'm going to just read out these names and just think of how many of these guys are legit contributors. Number one's Najee Harris. Obviously, that's looking very bad right now. Obviously, he's very talented, but that is not looking good. Now, I'll just read down the list. Najee Harris, Kendrick Green, Dan Moore, Buddy Johnson, Anthony McFarland, Kevin Dotson, Devin Bush, Justin Lane, Benny Snell, James Washington, Char- uh, Mason Rudolph, Chuk Sikorafor, Josh Dobbs, Artie Burns, Sean Davis, Gerald Hawkins. I go on like... There's not a single legitimate contributor on that list. That's, that's a really bad streak. So, and, and even the way they invest in some of these guys. Like, I was furious when they used third and fourth round picks on Mason Rudolph and Josh Dobbs a few years ago. Like, those could be starting linemen by this point, you know? So, it, they have not drafted very well, and here's the unfortunate part about that. You only get a certain amount of picks every year. So, it's going to take a while to turn that around. I'll say this. The good thing about the Steelers, and I don't know if we want to transition to some positive stuff, I really think they have a lot of good pieces. Kenny looks great. George Pickens. Here's the next thing. Oh, by the way, I'm scatterbrained too, but here's something they have to be bolder about. Deontay Johnson needs less targets. <laughs> I'm serious. They need to take those targets For sure. and give them George Pickens. You can't be like, oh, still, well, he's a rookie wide receiver. How could he be the first? The, every year, there's a Jamar Chase, a Justin Jefferson. Like, he's the number one receiver. We, like, what did Deontay have 11 targets by halftime? Yeah. I mean, another two horrible drops, third and fourth down drops. Like, Pickens looks like he is in potential for the best receiver in the entire NFL right now. He has that kind of potential. It's we, You see all the circus grabs yesterday? They need to be bold and be like, oh, I know we just paid this guy, and he looks like Antonio Brown, and so we're sort of used to putting that guy in the spot. You need to take these designed first reads for Deontay, and you need to shift them to Pickens. Before you go, can I rewind to the draft argument? Do whatever you want, yeah. I'm going I'm to read off some draft picks, but I'm going to go with the number two pick for the last few years. Let's do it. George Pickens. Pat Fryermuth, Alex Highsmith, Woo. to whom we said, who? Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Juju Smith-Schuster. The Steelers do much better in the second, second position. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those guys are first-round guys. Well, uh, Deontay's third round, right? But um, anyways. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not yeah, saying he turned out to be the second. That's a selective list. Like, the, I don't remember where I got this from, but I, I was laughing. Like, you can't just leave off Deontay and Pickens and Frymouth. And we've been saying it more than anybody. Like, these past two drafts are very encouraging. I don't love the, the Najee thing, but Frymouth it's kind of hard to argue with. And then Pickens and Pickett, how could you be unhappy with that? But the, the, the other thing is the pure amount of guys who are cut or going to be cut is, is a little bit alarming. 
yeah, I don't know how many how many guys should you expect to start out of your seven. Let's say you get seven players. You expect you know at least at least the first two in the with within the first two or three years. Yeah, yeah. But so here here's a question: Do you? I'm with you on that. I'm ready to demote Deontay, and and Pickens is open all the time. I I don't know why they just don't stare at him and just throw the ball to him all the time well, until Kenny they stop. Is. It. Kenny's starting to yeah, look, he, it's insane. but he had, he had fewer six yards. And... He still had fewer targets, and you weren't going that. Which far. is the coordinator? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm I'm with you. Demote Deontay. So Pickens is number one. I I think um, Chase has sort of upped his game a little bit from the slot, but yeah. he's a guy I would trade now. I would see if I can get, to, I would package something at this point to get something to, you know, if, if he has yeah. people, there may be somebody out there who like the Steelers see something nobody else sees. There's an upside. We haven't been able to get out of him, and maybe you can get some value out of Claypool. You're definitely right. The time to shop him is now. I don't think you'll get anything for him because he's, has been a ghost the whole season. Not his fault, honestly, but uh, you never know. What if someone gives you a third or a fourth? If they give you a fourth. Like, I would just do it because I think the order needs to go like this. Pickens, number one. Deontay, number two. Fryermuth number three. I know he has a concussion. He's out. But those are the guys who need to get fed. It's unbelievable to me how they've never used Najee Harris as a pass catcher. Yeah. They, they never send him on route. I mean, it's negligible. These are the kind of things Tomlin needs to get firmer about. Like, this is crazy that you're not using that guy. Like, you drafted him like an idiot. You drafted a running back, and you said, oh, he's a bell cow, and he can catch. You don't let him catch. It's just screens. Like, Le'Veon Bell used to have five catches past the line of scrimmage every game on those choice rounds. Right. So you don't even let him do it. And by the way, I know Najee has a list, Frank. That's a bad injury to be playing through. Like, you cannot deny that that's affecting him. But, um, yeah, so that's just what I think. I think that the Steelers... I hope that this spurs some changes. Those are the changes I would make. You, you, you make Pickett, Pickens. We need nicknames for these guys. This is going to be impossible. I can't go through this for we a We said we're going to pick Pickens the Pickens. <laughs> That's impossible. I'm going to end up saying Pickens the Pickett or whatever. They need to make him the number one. They need to. Yeah. See, uh, so, just, you know uh, what? Just to, just to put a fine point on Najee, he's been targeted 15 times this season. It's ridiculous. 64 yards. It, it's, yeah. He never runs routes. I mean, you got you got what you pay for in a college coordinator. It shock it shocks me that this guy can't like. We have the data too. Like you just keep doing it, and that just shows me that's a Steeler conservatism, that stubbornness. Like, no, this will eventually work. I do not think they need to abandon everything. Right. I just think they need to tweak to modernize a little bit more. The game has changed. You no longer wear teams out, which was the Steelers' mantra for 50 years. You can wear them out, wear them out. Yeah, and then we had the killer bees where you just didn't really have to think about it. You have such immense talent on offense that it's just an air show and hopefully make some plays on defense. I get it. But they just they, they have to look at these failures. that are. Do we need 14 more games of Canada and then need, like, well, we can't let the rookie quarterback change his coordinator in his second year. Like, Right. Those are the kind of things I'm scared of and, and that I wish. Because I don't think this is knee-jerk reaction type of stuff because I actually think the Steelers might have a quarterback. They might have the best receiver in the league. They have an incredible number two receiver in Deontay Johnson who I may be raising my hand and saying I might be wrong on Deontay. Like, those drops, 
it's it's unbelievable. Like it's not gonna be the last time this year. He he makes incredible plays. He's the one-handed snag where his toe touches the line. All the all the catches where his toe barely touches the line. It's like those are amazing catches. Barely anybody can do that. Granted, he didn't get his foot down, but the drop thing is just such a core element of who he is. I just can't take it anymore. But you got good guys there. You got a good tight end. You have two great edge rushers, young great edge rushers, and TJ and Highsmith. You have the best safety in the whole league, also young. So they do have a lot of pieces. And then, by the way, they're going to have a really high draft pick, not just in the first round, but in every round. They're going to be drafting at the top of the round. So I don't think that they're like light years away. I think they just need to make some tweaks. And the big one is the coordinator. Well, your your point about – I forget how you express this, but – we have a string of games coming up. Well, we just started it with the Bills, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Miami Dolphins, Philadelphia Eagles, and then a bye week. They could Very easily, we could be another 0-3 in that, that series. And that yeah. won't point to Canada because you're just playing superior teams. There can always You can always make an excuse, it's still not him. It's still it's the quality of the competition. You don't play somebody in a, what I would consider a winnable game, the Saints, for, for five weeks. So will that – if that – comes to fruition, does that push Tomlin? Will he have seen enough? Will he'll, will he make excuses for Canada? Because it, you know what? When you choose Jim Zorn to be your head football coach, you hang in there because <laughs> you need to convince everybody that you saw something nobody else could until there's absolutely yep. no argumentation and you've got to get rid of him. And I wonder, to your yeah. point, he's just trying to be the smartest guy in the room with this oddball pick. And it's hard to give that up. And I think that it represents like the Washington franchise. If you get rid of guys quickly, it's like, I'm not saying get rid of anyone. Just there's too much data on how bad this guy has been. And he's like an extension Canada of of Feetner. We've looked at this offense for four years. Everybody in the NFL, it's now national news. Thank goodness. And hey, he yielded to the pressure of Pickett, right? I hope he can yield to the pressure of this because it's going to get so loud. There's so many fans biased against him to begin with. It's definitely going to get loud. And I like, I guess we can just end the podcast just by talking about Kenny Pickett. Like how can we be speaking highly of a quarterback when we just lost 38 to five? It's obvious, isn't it dad? I mean, the guy, the guy, Mitch isn't even in the same league, by the way, another example of like, what are you doing? What is this conservatism? This is exactly who Kenny Pickett was in the preseason. You can't just act like this came out of nowhere. And Mitch was the same way he's been for six years. What are you doing? You're just sticking to these old models. And by the way, it's hilarious because the old model was, we're going to sit Ben. Oh, everyone got injured. He went in. What's going to, oh, I guess we'll just win 13 games in a row. Oh, we're we're going to win the Super Bowl the next year. Like, do what you did last time. (laughs) But Kenny Pickett. He is so poised. I think we underestimated. I definitely underestimated how pro-ready he is because the book on him was he's the most pro-ready quarterback in a crappy quarterback class, so it's not that big of a deal. Well, after what we've seen, it's like, eh, it just kind of seems like he's extremely pro-ready, like Herbert and Mac Jones and, and Joe Burrow. He is so smooth. He is so decisive. Tony Romo did a great job during the game of showing behind the quarterback angle where he's fading back. The pocket is closing in on him. Von Miller is about to strip sack him. Kenny wants to throw the ball to the right. A linebacker pops up. He calmly just moves to the left. 
hits Gentry for a first down. He's going. He's doing crazy stuff, like NFL quarterback stuff. He does not have an amygdala. That's what I'm talking about. You have to sit in the pocket and process. And that's what he does. And on top of that, the quality of the ball he throws is incredible. He throws such a nice ball, almost always a perfect spiral, always right to the receiver's hands. He's incredible with those back shoulders. His scrambling is really good. He knows when to scramble. He scrambles to look downfield. I think the preseason helped him in realizing, ooh, there's certain guys I can't run away from. And then the last thing is, you know, I, I mentioned this last because a lot of people want to leave with this with quarterbacks, but if you don't have those physical things, this doesn't matter. He's got swag. Like him getting in a fight with a defensive lineman, his lineman sticking up for him all the time. Like the calmness he just sort of exudes is very obvious on the field. Kenny looks really good, and also he knows to throw the ball to George Pickens. Can I ask you for a clarification here? I'm, I'm going to the booth. Please. I always thought that the term was swagger, because when I think of swag, I think of those bags they give so, you at the Academy Awards. You get swag. You get stuff. But I've yeah. heard everybody using the word, he has swag. Yeah, it's kind of an older term. It's I feel like last 10 years, but yeah, you're just abbreviating swagger. So just just... Can I rewind again to a point you made? Yeah. You were moving coming fast. That's what I do. It's a problem. So you heard of the term regression to the mean, of course. Of course. My observation is don't try to outthink the draft. It's all regression to the mean. If you wait long enough, unless you're Belichick or something, you're generally going to get a high draft pick. You'll go a few years and you'll be middling. Maybe you'll drop, you know, in within ten, a decade, you'll you'll get some high draft picks. Let it come to you. It's sort of the way it's designed. The Steelers have had some success picking these odd balls that nobody else saw. I mean, Pickens is, is a good example. I mean, obviously high potential, but people were afraid of him, which let him drop to us. But I think they might get confident in their ability to pick in the draft because they have had some – like they they can't pick a wide receiver unsuccessfully, right? I mean, that they sort of have this right. reputation as wide receiver you in a way. But I would say just take the obvious pick. You know, don't don't try to outsmart the draft with Najee. That that's sort of yeah, I guess Kendrick that's the kind of Sinquez goals. Yeah, these sort of odd players. Yeah, let it come to you and just yeah. do the obvious thing. Don't try to be cute about it. And then I guess just the last thing is like figure out what to prioritize in the draft. So you We've said known quarterback for four years that they need an offensive lineman. We have, and that. they just refuse to take one. And by the way, we've seen this happen before. Before they drafted Pouncey, Ben, we were all convinced he was going to have a seven-year career because yeah. he was getting sacked at an insane rate. The Steelers never had a good offensive line. Like, fine, we'll draft this center. Oh, he's pretty good. Fine, we'll draft a guard. Oh, look at that. We have the best offensive line in the league. Like, they just – you can't get – because even the Fryermuth pick, eh, it's touch and go. Like, they are in desperate need right now for linemen on both sides of the ball. Yes, I know they need an inside linebacker. Yes, I know they need corners. Those are not as essential as the linemen at this point. So please stop getting cute with that stuff. Stop getting seduced. And by the way, I do not know how much of that is Tomlin. I think the Roonies have a much bigger hand in those things than we used to believe. A lot more has been coming out about that over the years. All right, game five next Sunday, the 16th, 1 p.m., Tampa Bay. Speaking of, speaking of Tom Brady, the Tampa Brady Buccaneers come to, to Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They're banged up. So, so they, they wasn't, wasn't the Buffalo secondary banged up? 
Yeah, but the 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 Patriot or geez, I just always call them the Patriots. It's just Tom Brady, right? Yeah, I mean, look, the the buck, but the Bills have looked amazing the whole season. The, the Buccaneers have looked bad. They should have just lost to the Falcons this week if they didn't get bailed out by the worst call of the season, the roughing the passer, being mean to Tom Brady uh, penalty. So it's not outside of the realm of possibility that the Steelers could win one of these next two games. The Eagles will be hard. I don't think they'll win any of, the, of these games, but they could be, you know, depending on who comes back for the Steelers, they could win. And the Dolphins are down to their third string quarterback. So we'll, we'll see if those guys come back or not. But uh, all right. It's almost in their best interest to lose and look good with the quarterback while they're losing. So you heard us, or at least Nick, espouse a lot of um, perspectives on this. We'd be really interested to hear yours. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.